Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Thanks for joining us on the show today. We have Michael Agenbar. He's joining us this week to talk about agency PM versus in-house PM. We have a lot of different topics to get into, also product market fit expansion, all sorts of things. Before we dive into that, Michael, why don't you give us a little elevator pitch on yourself for the listeners? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Michael Agenbar, product leader at Clidara. I have always considered myself a pretty analytical person. You know, back in grade school, I always wanted to find as much data on absolutely everything that I possibly could. And I was known for knowing all of the MLB players, batting averages and RBIs and all that fun stuff. During my master's degree, I actually tracked every single game of FIFA that I played and all of the statistics around FIFA to see if there was a winning formula. It turns out I'm just not very good at FIFA, but always wanted to be able to be, you know, analytical and fuse that with problem solving. So taught myself how to program. Out of college, I became a developer for a company that provided all of a large bank in Chicago's foreign exchange markets for long story short, wasn't a very good programmer. So moved into UX research and then into product management as I wanted to be a little bit closer to the users and to the business problems that we were solving. So I spent some time at a company called Bocal in Chicago doing product there. Companies like Blue Malnati's, American Medical Association, American Hospital Association, before moving on to another agency called Y Media Labs, working on larger brands, Champion, Polestar, Kaiser Permanente, among others. So now the first products hire in the U.S. for Clodara and really enjoying the ride so far. Well, thanks for joining us, Michael. You had interesting background. I feel like it's so great to hear everyone's journey into the profession and the different experiences that they have, exposures to different industries. We've had a couple folks at product agencies on the podcast before, but you had this interesting journey of starting in the agency land, doing product contracting, and then ending up in now Cladara is not that, right? We have this more of a product company. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I would recommend if possible, right, the market's kind of crazy right now, new product managers wanting to learn their craft would be the agency route. And the reason why I say that is you are exposed to so many different markets and so many different personas, audiences, problems, stakeholders you have to deal with that it really allows you to almost get like a product MBA in a shorter amount of time just because you are are tackling so many different problems all at once. You know, one of the reasons why I I wanted to move into in-house from agency is contracts end, right? You do all this great work, you build a product, you get it launched, you do some experimentation, and then 
you got to give it away. And so getting a little bit more of that throughput and seeing a project through more than a year is something that I was just really, really wanted to be able to do to expand sort of my product knowledge. Yeah, I love that as a place of learning that rapid experimentation and practice the hits at bat, whatever you want to call it. Like that's a great place to do that. How long have you been at Clodara versus the agency world? I've been here for five months. So started at the beginning of this year, 2023. Agency life, probably about five years or so. So still sort of getting my feet on the ground in-house sort of understanding how to push things through what sort of levers to pull to get features out and, and all that fun stuff. So let's talk about those differences so far. Now that you've been there for five months, what were like maybe one or two of those big things that stuck out to you to say like, whoa, this is way different than what I've experienced? Yeah, great question. I think the first one would be extreme ownership. Within an agency, you are usually staffed on a project team. So you have a design lead, a couple of designers, maybe another product manager, a project lead, a client's lead. And so you have a team of 12, you know, anywhere from like six to 12 people that you are able to vet your ideas with, right? Before going in front of the client, you're able to sort of share, get feedback, refine, and so on and so forth. At in-house, you know, we're a pretty lean product team here. So it's really on the product manager to think through a lot of different scenarios, edge cases, goals, how people will respond, how the customer is going to respond, so on and so forth. So sort of taking all of the, uh, I guess, taking the ability to democratize a little bit of your work and have to manage it completely is one of the, the biggest differences. But, you know, that's that's really what I was looking for. I wanted that that extreme ownership. I wanted to be able to own the decision. You know, there's that quote, if if the project or the product succeeds, it's the team's success. If the product fails, it's the product manager's fault. And I really wanted to sort of lean into that ethos and, and take on that responsibility. You talked about resource constraint. That's interesting, too. And owning more of the decision so that outcome ownership is very clear. Instead of basically handing off a project, this is now, this is your thing. So yeah, it kind of succeeds or fails based on some of the decisions that you're making with your team, right? Exactly. Right. And and coming from an agency like Y Media Labs, very, very design focused, right? They, you know, con continue to win Webby Awards and Fast and Co Awards for, for design. So it's sort of a mix between being product and design led, right? So yeah, we do all of this strategy work. We do all of this data. We outline the requirements and then design sort of takes it and almost owns it to an extent, right? And you know, you mentioned resource constraints there. We don't actually have a designer on at Clodara right now. We are hiring for, for designers, but right now sort of it's, it's myself and the rest of the product team creating gray boxes in Figma or, or whiteboarding. And then our wonderful engineering team can, can make it beautiful, but it's certainly a, a big sort of shift in where I've come from. Yeah. So now tell me a little bit more about the, either the templates, the processes, the artifacts, like what are the things that are, that you are now doing that you didn't have to do, or are you doing differently today? Yeah, that's a great question. So the product team at Clodara, when I joined, already had a great sort of process for documenting all of the requirements, right? Where it's been a little bit different from sort of agency to now is the access to customers. So within the agency world, if we wanted to speak with our customers, customers, 
you know, sometimes that was even a full contract, a full scope of work for us to be able to actually get that done. The last project that I worked on at Y Media Labs was just a pure research project. We did a few surveys and probably 20 to 40 customer interviews that we planned two months for, right, to be able to do all of these things. At Clonara, we can shoot an email and our customer base is incredible and, and wants to give feedback so consistently. So that access to, to the voice of the user and the user is just so amplified. Creating that sort of structure, when do we talk to customers? How do we talk to customers? What do we talk to customers about, right, has been relatively new. One of the things that I'm proud of, of being able to to do with the team is is launching a survey with our entire customer base, sort of as, you know, what are the, the best things? What are the worst things? What do you want to see change? You know, all, the, all those standard questions. And now when we go forward with more customer interviews, we're doing so from a place of knowledge. We know which customers are experiencing some of these problems. We know which customers are for these new features. So you know, when we do usability testing, we're doing so with the customers that we know are experiencing things or, or excited about things as well. Okay. You sent out this first survey. What were the questions that you put into it? We had about 15, 15 to 20 questions. So I wanted to keep it relatively lean for completion rate. We asked some of the best parts about using the platform, what decisions the customer has taken based on the platform, what are some of the constraints of the platform? What do you wish that the platform did that it doesn't currently do? What are your biggest pain points in currently using the platform? Why or why you don't use certain features? So just questions around sort of overall usage that help us make more informed decisions on our roadmap in the future. And then what was your completion rate? We had about a 20% completion rate. So we sent it out to all of our customers and had about a 20% completion rate. One of the other questions that we had in there was, you know, can we reach out to you again? Are you open for us to, to send more surveys or try to schedule interviews with you? And that was about a, a 90%, you know, yes, you can, right? So that's a was a very positive thing for not only us, but the customer success team who are phenomenal at Clodar as well. Yeah. How does that collaboration look like between product and the customer success team at Clodar? It's interesting as coming from an agency background, the customer success is usually like client strategy, right? They don't, we don't necessarily have that role in an agency. The collaboration is great, right? The, I, I always tell the customer success team here that they could all be product managers if they, if they so choose, because they have product thinking, they know exactly what the product does and needs to do and so on and so forth. So one of the things that's, we we hear from them are either you know expectations of what a customer wants or had thought that the platform did or would do very very soon we meet with them every single week as as an entire team sort of intake the top of mind items and then are able to share updates to those items as well so that's just sort of a tactical collaboration the VP of success, so someone called Amy, is absolutely phenomenal. And on the survey, her and I really collaborated very, very close together to be able to send that out. So we do sit literally next to each other in the office and, and are in constant communication about how we might best serve our customers. 
And so you get this information from the survey. You're working weekly with CS. You're identifying problems to go solve with the customers that you have. You have a pool of customers that you can now reach out to directly and experiment with. Exactly. Tell me more about that process and how that's different from agency world. Yeah. So I think the most obvious at, you know, in-house at Quinara is the iteration cycles. We could come up with a, whether it's a usability test or an interview script or guide or whatever we want to call them and have that almost done by the end of the week, right? If we sort of ideate on a Monday, we could have insights by the Friday. In an agency, you have to plan out exactly what you do, how long those interviews are going to take, how much an interview is going to cost put it in a contract, meet with your team about it, refine it, meet with the client about it, refine it, get legal involved to sign the contract, so on and so forth. So by the time that you've thought of this idea to experiment, you're almost not that, you've almost moved on, right? You might not be that interested in, in those learnings anymore because something else sort of takes your brain space. That's not to say that all sort of experiences have been like that. We've mm-hmm. I've certainly been on projects that are a little bit longer, of an engagement, maybe a retainer model that we just operate as a full extension of the client team. Still getting in front of those customers is is a lot more time, but obviously you don't have to get contracts and, you know, all of that fun stuff in place. But still the the main theme of just iteration time maintains. Also, you know, what we talked about at the beginning of sort of that extreme ownership you know, when I was running interviews or surveys or usability tests in agency life, you get that, again, reviewed by your team. You get that reviewed by your clients who ha- obviously have edits. You make those edits. You get that reviewed again. Maybe there's a- another round of edits and then you get sign off. That can take a week, two weeks, maybe even three weeks before you actually get in front of someone. At Clodara, you know, I share it with the team. If if they have time, they review it, leave edits. If they don't have time, they say, hey, we trust you, go for it. And it just removes that two to three week, I guess, barrier to just dive straight in. The benefit is you own that work. The The drawback of that is you don't have incredibly smart people to help you improve your script or your survey or your usability test or, or what have you. So I think it can go both ways, really. If I were to summarize that ideation to launching or idea to launch process within the agency, you get hired on a specific remit in some cases. In some cases, you're on retainer, but you might have a specific focus. Then you drum up a whole bunch of ideas. You craft your execution plan. You have to get that approved by a couple of different parties. You then have to sign a contract and then you can go and execute your things and do everything else. And if something comes up, well, shit, we have to do it all over again. Now, how is that different with Cladora? If you can walk me through like your normal ideation to launch process, how does that look? Yeah. So at Cladora, we we follow sort of the same structures as, as agency that we do a discovery phase. We might move into a design phase, which is obviously a lot more condensed at Cladora, and then into sort of an engineering launch and analysis phase. So... Discovery, as we've talked about, happens a lot, lot quicker at Clodara. We have, you know, access to, we use McPanel at Clodara, so have a ton of great customer data. At agency, you know, there either is some customer data for our clients or not at all, or very, very deep, right? It's either not at all, a little bit, or too much that we we don't even know where to start. 
So the time to insights on Equidara has really has really shrank, you know, for for my for my experience. So we sort of understand problems that we want to solve. So just understanding, okay, what are the problems they currently experience? How do they solve those problems now? What is the benefits of solving the problem that way? What are the drawbacks of solving the problem that way? How could we do it better? Right. And where do they even go to solve these problems if it's not if it's not Clodara? From there, we are able to generate, you know, hypotheses. If we do this, then we anticipate this customer reaction. If we do that, then we anticipate those customer reactions. From there, obviously, we do some interviews to understand how they solve their problems, what their problems are, so on and so forth. So once we get that sort of bedrock of, of initial customer insights, that's where we can really ideate from. Once we come up with ideas, we sort of are able to put them in front of our engineering team, who, again, are, are absolutely phenomenal at taking maybe a, a concept that's 75% thought through and, and making it 100% thought through. Get just a, a standard level of efforts. Is this actually possible? Is it possible in our time frame? It's a silly, right? Do you, are you confident in this? You know, all of that standard sort of product planning. We don't do as much usability testing as I as I would like to do at, at Clodara right now. If this probably by because we we just have a, a design need, but moving into usability testing before actually getting to the nitty gritty of, of launching, right? developing and launching. One of the key differences between in-house and agency is the analysis cycle, right? We are able to see the updates within Clodara from the moment that it goes live, right? We make sure that all of our events, or sorry, all of our features and behaviors have events associated with them. I can't tell you how many times at agency analytics got de-scoped to hit the timeline, right? That's not necessarily the case within Clodara. Even if we have to extend a week to make sure everything's tracked, that's always that week that we'll, we'll end up taking. So the time to analysis is much, much, much quicker as well. Awesome. Now, the decision process is much faster where you don't have to wait for these critical checkpoints or refining that presentation of the work to then move, take action, and then get that feedback loop much faster as well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. It's almost too many cooks sure. in the kitchen is is a real thing, right? Too much bureaucracy at certain companies as well. So much red tape to go through. Everyone's manager needs to approve on things and sort of in-house you are the approver, right? And you can live and die by that as well. Outside of this ideation product process, they're big things that we haven't addressed yet that you've noticed, big nuances or differences that you've noticed between the two kind of functions? The one that's really come to mind is is being data-led, right? I think every company that you'll talk to is just like, oh, we make, we use data to make decisions. We're informed by data, you know, so on and so forth. Going back to my previous points about you know, companies either have no data, a little bit of data or too much data. You don't know, you know, even where to start. I would say most of those sort of trend to the little to no data side of things. So at Clodara, that is the the total opposite, right? And I, I would anticipate that's likely the same for lots of product-led organizations, making sure that your, I guess, hypothesis, your points, your features, again, sit on that bedrock of, of insights and data 
not necessarily the case at an agency. You know, are they paying for products at times or are they paying for design and development, right? If they are paying for product, are they paying for the product owner role where you write the user stories, you keep everything on track, or are they paying for the strategy role, right? There's been both. I've had, I've worked on projects that they say, hey, we know we need to build a new website. We don't know where to get started, right? Please look at all of our data and you tell us. We've also, I've also worked on, you know, project before that I dive into their Google Analytics and start being able to piece together drop-off rates or correlative events or, you know, what high-value audiences do that maybe a low-value audience doesn't end up doing. And the response is like, oh, cool, that's interesting. But we really want this page to look like this because we think it's super, super cool. So the idea of having, I guess, access to data-informed like people, right, and, and colleagues has been one of the key sort of differences that I've seen. What do you mean by that data-informed colleagues? Yeah. So, you know, again, going lots of times in the agency, at least in my experience, the solution is defined, right? We, we want a page that does this or a product that does this, 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 and this, because that's what we think is going to work. No matter what the data shows, that's still going to be the answer, right? I was working at a sort of as an embedded product person for a large healthcare provider. And I wanted a feature, one of the features at the top of the page because that was the most used feature. That's what drove the most returns. That's that's what people wanted, right? When we did interviews, people said, I come to this page for this. Was overruled, right? That happens. You're allowed to be overruled. So we did an experiment to see what happens if we, you know, put the feature that I wanted at the top and the feature that some the leadership at the organization wanted at the top. The experiment came back that we got, you know, not only more completions on some key tasks, but more return visits, more page view. So all of these sort of ancillary benefits from this feature being top of mind, or I guess top of the page, still they were like, okay, great. Yep. We're still gonna go forward with it with what we what we originally wanted. And that's just one example that I've sort of seen throughout the agency agency world. Maybe it's me not being able to make a, a strong enough argument or, or, or pushing, you know, as hard as, as I had wanted. In-house, the data, I think the comment was, you know, data-led colleagues. From what I've seen at Cladara, at least, is, is the opposite, right? It's just like, cool, you have an opinion and an argument. What does the data show, right? And if the data supports that opinion or argument, let's do it. If not, let's maybe think of another one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Tell me a little bit about the product structure at Cladara. You mentioned you don't have a design team. How big is the team? Kind of what does that look like? Was this the one you said you were the first product hire on? First product in the U.S. So we have two product managers out of the Barcelona office. So we have in Barcelona, it's the product team a few engineers and the customer support team and the operations team. In the London office sits mostly sales and finance. And then in the Denver office sits our two co-founders, a few customer success managers. I was the first product person. We also have a sales guy in the Denver office as well. So that collaboration across time zones was a little bit of a risk when I joined, but has just really 
we've hit the ground running. We collaborate incredibly well. Sure, sometimes I have a call at 7 a.m. or they might have a call at 7 p.m. But for the most part, we, we try to be as respectful as possible for calendars and, and just allow, you know, each other to live our lives outside of work. But we do have a relatively flat product structure. You know, ideas come from anywhere. Best idea wins type of thing. The way that we sort of structure the team now is feature-based. So we have one of our product managers focused on, you know, two or three features, another on two or three features, myself on two or three features. We are hiring another product person in the U.S. to take on some more features, right? But eventually we'll like to move to a more, I guess, problem solution structure, if that makes sense. So less feature driven and more, hey, this is the the objective we're trying to solve. Go solve it the best way you see fits, if that makes sense. We have a little bit of time to get there. We know that there's some state, table stake features that we we just need for the product. Hopefully by the end of the year, we can start making those toward that more objective objective structure. It's great to hear those nuances and differences. I want to continue that theme, but pivot the topic a little bit. Let's talk about product market fit expansion. This was something that you brought up that the team is thinking through strategically now, but tell me a little bit more. What are you working through? We are hearing more and more from our sales team and from the market in general, that's more tools focused on different personas would be incredibly helpful, right? And, and it feels like there is a market opportunity or in a product opportunity for us to fill that gap. So really sort of understanding, A, what those problems that aren't being solved are. Is there a way to solve those problems now? If so, how? Right now, it's a lot of spreadsheets in the market. People are just creating spreadsheets for themselves, which is, you know, must suck, <laughs> right? And be a nightmare to sort of manage. So really sort of, again, just the problems that we're, we're hoping to, to serve the market, what those solutions look like, and, and ultimately validating our solutions would be valuable. We can do that through surveys and customer interviews and competitive and comparative analysis, you know, all of those standard discovery, I guess, options, or I guess opportunities. Right now, we're still sort of testing a concept, let's say, on whether or not we can serve some of these problems. Still in very, very early stages. Now you're approaching this new strategy. You have this hypothesis that we might need to lean into another segment. How do you go about acting on that? You have a feature-based team and it's not paired with a user. It's paired to the feature. And so when you make decisions on how to pivot that feature functionality? How are you going about to assess the opportunity to then experiment and validate that there is something that you want to pursue here? I think we've been able to validate that this is an opportunity worth pursuing just based on everything that we're hearing from, from prospects as well, right? Our sales team and the product team sit very close together as well. You know, our sales team are... are seeing an uptick in, I guess, feature requests or hopes of what the product might do as we look to survey a, a different sort of company's profile that we're not there yet, right? We know that maybe certain companies expect certain features that we don't necessarily or experiences that we don't necessarily have right now. 
So we use that data to sort of help inform that the certain profile company we're looking for expect this experience or these features. So we feel relatively validated that the problem we're trying to solve is a worthwhile problem to solve. Where we'll start moving, hopefully, is once this concept is customer ready, close to customer ready, not very customer ready, but usable, we'll start, you know, putting it in front of prospects or even current customers to see, you know, what updates, what changes, what other opportunities we might have overlooked are that we uh, we can really lean into. Okay. So if I read between the lines here, it sounds like we're building a new product to address this market or potentially a new way to access the existing product. And we're in build phase, we're in MVP phase to get it in front of them. Is that right? Okay. And then exactly. how long has it taken to get to this MVP phase that is not done at this moment? From, I guess, ideation to releasing internally within Clodara has probably taken two months, two and a half months, maybe. And that's from sort of analysis to design slash wireframe to all of the Jira tickets to all of the QA. So relatively quick. We still have a little bit more work to do before being sort of customer ready. But again, really, really proud of the work that we've been able to accomplish so far. Right. So now it's I think that's it. Timelines are important here because I think it's helpful to put that in context in terms of agency and in-house. But if you were to release, so you're releasing this at this stage in this two months in, are you at the point where you've answered that hypothesis, your initial hypothesis, or is it is it yet to be answered on launch? We have answered that we probably need a little bit more, right? So the internal team has probably... has sort of given us sort of good signals that say, hey, the potential is here. This is great. I don't know if it's enough. At, at this stage, I don't know if we are solving enough of the problems this persona is experiencing before being able to to sell it, mm. right? So, so is the idea know, that you spend all this all... time building this, all these features that internal customers or internal stakeholders thinks that we should build and then release it to see if it works or is it something that you're experimenting with other customers on? So I think that's still okay. sort of TBD right now. Do we go live? Do we do a beta rollout? I think it will likely be a beta pilot rollout. It's sort of the signals that we're hearing from the internal team is again, we're, we're close, but I think we need a little bit more of the solutions here. So we'll build those solutions or, or try to build those solutions, I, I should say, before, before putting in in front of actual customers. There's still a little bit more work to do. I've seen in the past in my career where there's one product we had a zero to one actually. And um, I had joined late, but they had been building for about a year and they haven't actually put it in front of customers. This is a, a unique use case that I don't think happens as often now, but a year before they put their product in front of actual customers to get feedback. And of course it didn't have the results that they were expecting. I think there's ways that in-housing enables you to get these lightweight prototypes or validations or even Wizard of Oz wireframe mocks, like rudimentary things in front of folks and get a signal before investing mm -hmm. in a full feature build. And, and then the release process then goes on to help with that process. So one thing that we did differently and it 
depends on the feature product use case, what have you. But one thing we're experimenting now is that, you know, small group of customers, I think we had, we went into it with six that we had handpicked that had signaled to us that they wanted this feature that we were building out. We ended up with five active, meaning five of those six actually started using it. And now we're trying to get some signal from them whether or not to take it to the next phase of, of growth, of development. Leveraging the resources at hand, customer success, sales, to really stand this up as rough and tough as possible to get that initial value prop out the door to them to get that first signal of feedback. That's a delicate balance. And I think that's what you're managing, right? Is like this, what is that right level thing that we want to put out in front to get the right level of feedback to tell us what to do next? And all that is super critical to before going to that 100% of GA. And I find that even still people get impatient because they get excited, which I love. I mean, I, I, I love it too, but then, I, you know, it's, it's also just don't lose that focus of at least at the stage we're at it's like don't lose the focus on the goal was to pull get that pull so then we go to the market with this huge bang versus like having and we, there's prep work you have to you get all this you know product documentation up especially in SaaS or enterprise where you're kind of like you know let's make this thing as best as we can so then when we do bang our chest you know it's it's really you know worth worth its salt there and so I wondered if like now going thinking back on your agency days how does that process differ and the market? That'd be interesting. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So sort of the the lightweight approach to de-risk future investments is one that we certainly take, uh, you know, at Clodara, right? Which is, I think, what you're explaining well. At agency, it's almost the opposite, right? Let's sort of design and plan and build, especially if we're, we're not the actual developers on the project as well you know, full force with absolutely no constraints at all. Sure, at times we might get constraints. One of the projects that I worked on, we were the developing agency as well. That was a lot different of a project that is more, I guess, total redesign, revamp. But ultimately we, at agency, you sort of just move forward with everything all at once and you either hand that off or you or you roll it out all at once again that's a generalization i've certainly worked on projects where where we do pilots and we do slow rollouts and we do sort of a more experiments based approach but for the most part it's it's you know let's be super fancy here and let's let's turn heads yeah i love that that's great so now at this stage of product market fit expansion now you're really at this like hold your breath moment Right. I don't know if we're at the hold your breath moment just yet. I think the the internal team had given us some great sort of signals, as, as you were saying, of what else we need. So hopefully in the next few weeks, we start we start holding our breath here. Sure. One other way that we went to get feedback was, and this was outside of product and even design at the moment, but we kind of pieced together like a rough and tough wireframe give you a little under the hood here, but we providing a dashboard to to our customers, which is a very common kind of need or ask. And it would trying to solve a specific hypothesis. And we just really mm. I think what did we use? Like Photoshop? It wasn't even Figma. It was something terrible. But then we you know, we had conversations with clients actively was showing them just the screen share of like, hey, this is what we're thinking. What do you think? And then that gave us some signal to say like, oh, this is great or not. Or, oh, this is solving the problem or not. Or, oh, they're thinking that it's it should be this. Or we uncovered some other learning. So I think a lot, all those touch points are super critical. And I love how 
you set up the conversation by starting with the survey to segment your users, to understand what they're looking for, to now handpick and to then further experiment with, to set yourself up for that environment to enable more of those interactions and experiences. I think that's a great and easy way that folks can can get direct access to customers, build that relationship and act on some of these product opportunities, you know, in a, in a much more efficient way. So uh, that's great to hear. Yeah. So let, let's, let's wrap it up with some homework. And then what we'll do then is hop into plugs and, and go from there. So if we were to give our listeners for this week one piece of homework from our conversation to put in action in the coming week, what would you have for them? I would challenge the listeners to think through how you might create an audience structure in your analytic tool to be able to start understanding what a high value audience is doing or not doing and start ideating on how you might be able to move maybe low or mid value audience members towards that high value audience, if that makes sense. A high value user completes tasks one, two, and three, and the mid value completes task one, and the low value only doesn't complete any. How might you take that low value audience and allow them to complete tasks one, two, and three by using the data that you've been able to segment? Any data tools that you recommend or you like? I am old school. I, I love Google Analytics. I, I think it's a, it's a great tool. I know that they're sort of changing the way that they, I guess, house or surface those events in the next month or so, maybe in the next few months now. Uh, I love I love Google Analytics. Not a fan of, of Adobe Analytics, if I can say that. That's been a relatively tough one to get up to speed with. We use Mixpanel and absolutely love Mixpanel as well. It goes super deep. And what do you use Mixpanel versus Google Analytics? Like what What do you prefer to do one versus the other in? Google mm-hmm. Analytics is great for segmentation. Mixpanel is great for trends. So if I wanted to understand baselines on certain audiences, I would likely do that in Google Analytics. If I wanted to understand trend since release, I would probably use Mixpanel for that. The homework that I have, just copy Michael here. Do the survey. It's amazing. Just throw out your survey. Be mindful about it so you can segment your users, uh, especially in enterprises. This is huge. It's an easy opportunity to get that direct access. And adding that last question is amazing. It's your user research background coming in. I love this, which is that, are you open to hear more to reach out? I think all that, all that kind of stuff, super easy to, to construct, to implement, and to, to send out. I mean, that, that's, that's awesome. So definitely recommend that. But Michael, where can our users find you? Yeah, LinkedIn, obviously. I'm on LinkedIn, Michael Agambar. Uh, Instagram, Michael Agambar. If you want to see photos of my, of my dogs and, and my wife, that's, there's no better spot on the internet to find photos of Michael Agambar's dogs and, and Michael Agambar's wife and my Instagram. So yeah, please, please drop me a comment. Please, you know, ask questions, challenge anything that I might have said here and would love to love to connect with everyone. Awesome. And then Michael, lastly, is there anything you want to plug? I have recently started volunteering at a organization called Lovin Arms, L-U-V-I-N apostrophe arms out of Erie, Colorado, which is an animal sanctuary. They do incredible work for at-risk farm animals who need care and love and and want care and love 
So if you are in the Colorado area, please go ahead and volunteer or donate. If you're not, you know, any any eyes on this incredible organization would be great. That's great, Michael. Thank you so much. It looks like we finished up our coffee, so go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover. And who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.